0: Episode 270 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you by Self-Publishing School, where you can learn to go from blank page to published author in as little as 90 days. Get a free copy of Chandler Bolt's book, Published, when you sign up for his free training. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash published.
1: I was going back to the same spaces over and over again, which was kind of driving me crazy. And I realized what I didn't love about it was that they were leaning on me versus learning from me.
0: Hello and welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. It's the podcast dedicated to your personal and your professional growth. I'm your host, Jeff Brown, and I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in your business and in your life, then you guessed it, intentional and consistent reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast is going to help you narrow this reading list a bit and also bring you the key insights and valuable ideas from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. Today, you and I will be joined by Marithu Parikh, M-R-I-D-U-P-A-R-I-K-H. She is the author of the book, Accomplish It, Seven Simple Actions to Get the Right Things Done and Achieve Your Goals. I'll ask Marithu to share about her belief that attempts at multitasking actually makes you stupid, strategies for combating distractions, the questions to ask yourself before you say yes to the next commitment, and much, much more. If this topic is right up your alley, might I also recommend Michael Hyatt's new book, which I just picked up recently, called Free to Focus, A Total Productivity System to Achieve More, by doing less. I think it makes a great companion to Marithu's book, and I'll put a link to it in the blog post page dedicated to this episode, readtoleadpodcast.com slash 270. Marithu Parikh excites, educates, and entertains audiences all over the world. She teaches ambitious people how to get and stay focused, achieve their goals, and eliminate overwhelm. Her strategies on overcoming procrastination and mastering habits have been featured in the Huffington Post, U.S. News and World Report, Good Housekeeping, and many other media outlets, in addition to her own Roku channel. I'm impressed. She's also the author of a brand new book, the one we're talking about today, called Accomplish It, Seven Simple Actions to Get the Right Things Done and Achieve Your Goals. I first met her uh, at a conference a few years ago called The Tribe Conference, put on by Jeff Goins. Read through. It's wonderful to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you on the Read to Lead podcast.
1: Jeff, it's awesome to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, the one thing I remember most about you is uh, you were sitting across from me that one day at lunch before I was to go on in keynote, and I I remember you you put me at ease. You made me feel uh, confident before I went out there on stage to, to speak to everybody just by the things that you said. So thank you.
1: Oh, well, that is so wonderful <laughs> to hear. I just remember thinking, I love how real you are because, you know, we have this feeling like, oh, my, God, he's going up on save, it's Jeff Brown, and, you know, <laughs> and he doesn't ever get nervous. So it was it was really nice, of course, to see that, that side of you.
0: Mm. Well, I appreciated uh, your encouragement very, very much. Well, share, if you would, uh, about starting one of your first businesses. I, I, I loved the story you shared in the book. Only to realize it wasn't at all something you enjoy doing. One of the reasons I want you to share that is because I think a lot of people fall into that same uh, trap, if that's the right
1: word. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I think that just jumping into your business is sort of important because you can't visualize what it's going to end up being, or you can't envision really what it's going to be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we just got to start and then figure out you know, where what it's going to be and how it's going to evolve. So I started my business on the premise of do what you love, right? Find out the thing that you love to do and then do that thing. And I loved organizing, loved organizing, loved organizing. I'm one of those, you know, container store lovers way before the days of Marie (laughs) Kondo. Loved doing all the the organizing and the containers and the labels. And I said, okay, I'm going to go be a home organizer. So jumped into that world, you know, did a lot of research, found out about it, joined the National Association of Professional Organizers, started organizing only to find I really didn't love organizing for other people, which I was shocked. I was really surprised. And the reason was that and it wasn't that I didn't love the organizing part of it. What I didn't love was that I which just as well counterintuitive. I was getting repeat business, which is silly because you think, well, that's really great. You're going to that. You know, you get more and more business. But what that meant was I was going back to the same spaces over and over again, reorganizing the same spaces over and over again, which was kind of driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. And I realized what I didn't love about it was that I wasn't teaching people and I call it they were leaning on me versus learning from me. And so I was doing the work and just going back and doing it again and again and again and again, instead of really teaching them the skills. And so that's how my business kind of evolved out of that.
0: And I loved that distinction, that, that, that realization that you came to, that they were leaning on you instead of learning from you. But, but would you say that uh, looking back, that you have no regrets, that you're glad that you at least started something
1: Absolutely. Like I said, you have just no idea where it's going to go, but you've Mm got to start somewhere. And that's the only, you can read as many books as you want or listen to as many podcasts, but until you actually try it and put it into action, you just really don't know how you're going to feel or how it's going to turn out. Mm.
0: Well, society has convinced a lot of us, I think, um, maybe more and more of us, thanks to books like yours, are getting out of this mindset. But I think society has convinced a lot of us that multitasking is a desirable skill. It's, it's one that my wife would sometimes wish upon me, I think, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but, but what are some of the costs associated with, with multitasking?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, Jeff, you are in the minority. I think if you're not multitasking, (laughs) uh, there's so many demands and distractions being thrown at us 24 seven, especially now with all everyone connected to our smartphones all the time. And I feel like most of us think that the more that we do. The more that we react, the more productive we are, Mm. right? It's like we're constantly on our texting or phone calls or emails and we're going back and forth and so we're getting more done. (laughs) But the truth is multitasking makes you stupid. (laughs) It's true. Your brain or all of our brains have limited energy every day. And the more that we switch tasks, the faster that we zap the energy out of it. So the best analogy that I can give to this is like our cell phone, you know, our cell phones are fully charged in the morning. Typically they're right next to us on our bedside table. We wake up, they're (laughs) fully green and we see that green bar. And over the course of the day, we're on Amazon and ways and email and text, And, you know, we're just going back and forth and all the things on the interwebs and maybe by three o'clock, that battery is red and we've got to plug it back in and charge it up again. Well, our brains are the exact same way. We wake up in the morning, we're fully green, hopefully charged, had a good night's sleep, maybe exercised in the morning, had some breakfast, but the more that we continue to switch tasks and go from text to email to checking something online to Amazon to that you know back and forth and back and forth, the quicker that our own personal brain batteries are going to red. So the the sooner that we're zapping out our personal energy and we need to recharge. And that's why we sometimes feel like, if ever feel like you have brain fog at mm. around three o'clock, right? We're like, I really need that coffee. Or I can't remember that person's name. Or he sent out that email without the attachment. Well, a lot of that comes from multitasking as a result of multitasking.
0: What are some ways or, or methods that we can use then to combat some of these distractions? I know you have some ideas there too.
1: Yeah, great question. And before we even get into them, I want everyone just to hear that these are really simple. They're so simple that Mm. sometimes we're like, I've heard this before, or I tried this once, or this seems trite, but sometimes the simplest aren't the easiest to do, Mm. right? So take these, you know, for for the, as a, you know, I wouldn't waste anybody's time here. These are valuable and, and powerful. So one simple one that seems to get overlooked a lot is simply to clear your environment or your space that where you're working. So for example, I'm just sitting at my desk right now, happen to be lucky enough to work at a home office and around me right now, typically before this call, I may have some folders or envelopes or papers or books or, you know, sticky, just things all around. And right now I'm like, I want to focus completely 100% on this podcast and mm-hmm. give it my all. So everything is cleared from my complete peripheral view and my vision mm-hmm. on the left of me and the right of me in front of me. And they're literally, everything is behind me. I think even before we got on, I said, hey, hold on, I'm just clearing my desk. Everything's behind me on the floor. And it's just a, such a simple little technique, but all it does is keeps your eyes and your mind focused because mm-hmm. when we're thinking as a neurological response, our eyes shift, you know, sometimes you're typing an email and you're like, oh, what's the next word? What's the next word? And you, you. You look up, like that's just what we do. We look up because we're thinking and that's when it happens. We get distracted. We see the sticky or I've got to print this or I got to run this over to the, the other room or take this to the HR or do whatever it is. You start doing the things. And even if you don't physically react to it, we know it's going on the mental checklist, right? It's going on the checklist and now we've taken ourselves away from the task at hand. And so that momentary distraction, that momentary distraction gets us out of flow and we waste time we waste energy and we start chipping away and zapping our energy from our own personal battery
0: mm. Marithu introduces uh, early in the book the concept of scheduling what she calls a, a power hour or, or maybe multiple uh, power mm-hmm. hours what's the what's the purpose of, of a power hour Marithu? Ooh,
1: the power is the most valuable hour of your day. I believe it's the most valuable hour of your day, your life, your career, your personal relationships. And basically this is one hour and typically the first hour of your day that you are fully committed, fully intentional, deliberate about focusing on your most important priorities. And you mentioned Sometimes there's multiple power hours. So I personally like to have one personal power hour and one professional power hour. And during those two times, those two first two hours, my personal one, I might be, you know, exercising for 30 minutes, writing in my journal, meditating for 10 minutes. It's one hour that I'm not checking my email. I'm not reacting or responding to anyone else. I'm working on goals that are very specific to me and my personal development. And then that first hour at work, if you can make that, hour work out that first hour. And if not, you find your other one hour during the day when you're fully committed to your biggest priorities professionally. Those are typically the, the things you've been putting off, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to be your emails because we're always in our email. They're not going to be your texts. They're not going to be surfing the web. There's those tasks and priorities that get pushed off to the end of the day. They get procrastinated that we never really seem to get to. Those are the ones that we can identify as those, as those biggest priorities that we have to get done.
0: Am I an overachiever if I have three and a half power hours in the morning?
1: <laughs> no, you are amazing. And that's that's perfect. And, you know, you're probably on at at the other end. Like I said, you're not multitasking and you're, yeah. you're really staying focused. But for some people, you know, that hour is even it just feels too much. It's just I, I can't commit to that. I have so many other priorities, so many people, so many demands taking my time. Well then start with 30 minutes, like work your way up to this because it's better to do something than nothing. And we want to, we have to retrain our brains and and really truly build our confidence again, that we can focus and we can give ourselves that time to get our best work done. And so if that means 30 minutes for you, great. Start with 30 minutes.
0: Mm. I have the luxury of not having a commute, and, yes. and, and so I'm, I'm making time for running and I'm making time for reading for 30 minutes, so, so, so my power hours add up pretty quick, but it just means getting up super early or earlier than most people uh, to, to start the day. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways for me while reading uh, Cal Newport's uh, book, Deep Work, a couple of years ago was the concept of doing your most important work in these highly focused blocks of time. And Maritha suggests a, a similar concept in, in chapter three of her book. Uh, what does what does time blocking look like in, in, in your definition?
1: Yeah so time blocking is actually exactly what it sounds like, blocking out the the time for your specific work. So since we just talked about power hours, let's stick with that one and say, let's put that on your calendar, block that time, block that one hour personally, block that one hour professionally. So nobody else is taking control of your time during those blocked hours, right? You are fully committed. So you're telling yourself, you're holding yourself accountable to that time for you. And as well, it's signaling to others that that is your time. Now, of course, there are other boundaries you'll have to put up if you are in an environment where people are distracting to you um, to take control of that time. But it's got to start with blocking your time. Because here's what I say, if it's not on your calendar, it's all on your calendar, right? (laughs) Everybody has access to your time if it's not, if you have not blocked out the time for you on your calendar. And I believe that white space is really dangerous. So when you see white space on your calendar, it it just allows all the other distractions and demands and people and things to take control of your time. And you start reacting to all the other things. So you want to block that time specifically to get the work done. And I find that... most most of us have time in our calendar for our meetings, for our appointments, for our events, to get our hair done, you know, to <laughs> go to the doctor, but we don't have the time to actually get the work done. Get the work done. If we know that something is a deliverable is due on Friday, well, where's the time blocked out on Monday for the outline, and Tuesday for the first draft, and Wednesday for the proofreading, and Thursday for the second draft, right? Like, where is that time? And that's what we've got to get into the habit of blocking out.
0: Hmm. Do you find, Marie, through the creatives struggle with this, or, or- or see time blocking is at least on the surface as too restrictive
1: absolutely I do I do and it's, it's funny it's one of those counterintuitive mm. methods or those skills we feel like well if I'm too structured and I have too much routine how can I you know how can I tap into my creativity where in reality is the more that you blocked out your time the more time you have left For your creativity, right? You can actually block out that time and it gives you more time to say, well, from 12 to four, I'm just going to have like my creative thinking time or my writing time because you blocked out the, you know, let's say nine to 12 or eight to 12 in the morning to get all the other things done. But when you haven't blocked out that time, then you're multitasking throughout the day, constantly reacting. And you, in fact, give yourself less and less creative time over the course of the day.
0: I've said this or mentioned this story on the show before, but I was coaching somebody through this process once, and uh, this just this idea of an ideal week and, and and blocking out your time and showing them what my schedule looked like, and they took one look at it and they said, "I don't want to be that busy." <laughs> <laughs> and, and my response was, was, "What you're going to do something with that time?" Similar to what you just said, you're better to be intentional about what you're going to do about it versus just letting life you know happen as it comes, I guess. Well, when it comes to that book that you're writing, if you're struggling at all, it may be because you haven't been intentional enough with the process. Getting intentional simply means having a system in place that you can follow to write your book, and that's where my friend Chandler Bolt comes in. He's giving away, first of all, a free copy of his book called Publish, and you get that free just for signing up for his free training on the very same topic. The training and the book is designed to help you get your idea out of your head and onto paper as fast as possible, and then getting your book published and into the hands of as many readers as possible. If you've ever thought about writing a book, you owe it to yourself to sign up for this training. It's completely free, and you can register right now at readtoleadpodcast.com slash published. And again, when you register, you get a free copy of Chandler's best selling book published it has over 500 reviews on amazon it normally sells for 14.99 if nothing else register for the free training and get yourself the free book one more time that's read to lead slash published well uh, someone recently asked me what my biggest weakness was three, and i answered delegation what are some successful methods you found for ensuring that we we delegate consistently and and where needed
1: Yeah, this is a great question. I I hear this all the time from my clients as well. Uh, Just this ability or the inability, I guess, to kind of put up their boundaries and get things off their plate and they feel like they're doing it all. And if you're constantly living in this chaos or scatteredness, uh, this could really be the result of not delegating effectively. And I think one thing we have to recognize before we're even thinking about how can I delegate or where can I best do this is understanding why it's so important that we're truly robbing ourselves the opportunity to grow, to grow in other areas if we're not delegating or we're sabotaging our success and our ability to reach our goals due to this fear of giving up control and letting other people support us, or even completely take over some of the things that we're currently doing, the tasks. So one thing we always wanna ask ourselves and be really honest about it, because I think this, this is as hard to be this insightful and, and ask and answer this question, what can you and only you do, right? There are certain, like no one else right now could be speaking and answering your questions about my book that I've written other than me, right? No one else can do that. Like that is, that is something only I can do. But I imagine on your end, you have somebody and you're the only one who can ask the questions and, you know, you, you're the lead here, but probably someone on your end is going to be editing this or or, you know, doing your blog posts or uh, getting, you know, looking through the drafts and proofreading it and things like that. And so there are so many areas that we need to 100 percent be in control and some that other people when they're trained and when they understand our process and system that they can do it not only just as well, but what I found is generally better because they are 100% <laughs> focused on that particular skill. That's the only thing that they are doing. So they Take it and heighten your, your skill or your results to just another level.
0: Uh, I found the, the value in that in an online conference that I just uh, I know you're familiar with the Boss Free yeah. Virtual Summit. And there were a couple of times previous to, to my launching that where I attempted it on my own and it didn't get launched. It never happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, w- it wasn't until I hired a, a project manager and a graphic designer that actually, that actually got off the ground. Well, uh, Marithu also believes in the power of saying no more often. Amen to that. Uh, she calls it <laughs> owning your voice. What are some questions, Marithu, we can ask ourselves before we say yes to that next commitment?
1: Uh, I Setbacks, I think, for us, again, or what makes us feel really overwhelmed or stressed or anxious is that most people, and I would think anybody listening to this podcast are very ambitious and they're go-getters and they're driven. And so we feel again that the more we say yes to the, the more productive we're being, or the more that we're helping ourselves, or, you know, the more that we are um, allowing ourselves to give back to the world. Where in fact, we're kind of robbing ourselves for doing the things that were already on our plate or that we even want to accept doing them better, right? Being really, really great. I say be really great at a fewer things and being kind of meh or kind of eh at a whole bunch of things. So it's not about necessarily saying no, but about being deliberate and intentional about what we say yes to. Mm-hmm. So there's probably maybe three questions I'd say, or we just ask yourself, just take that 60 minutes to step back and ask yourself these questions before just immediately saying yes, which is what else do I currently have going on Do I have the time, space, and energy to take this on, this other initiative or this other ask or demand, and do it well? And then finally, by taking this on, will I still have the time and space for my other priorities?
0: I like how you set me straight on that. You basically said, no, Jeff, it's not about saying no. It's about what you say yes to. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, talk a bit about how you stress to your clients when you through the importance of, of getting everything out of your brain. This is something that I have uh, struggled with over the years, I've gotten better about. Why, why are you such a big believer in lists?
1: So everything that I teach or write about or you know, coach about are the skills and the tools that I use myself. And I know that this one, like you said, is probably the one I've struggled with the most. Mm. And I know now I just know I've trained myself mm so often using it that every time I'm overwhelmed, I mean, anytime, anytime I'm feeling confused, I feel scattered or I feel paralyzed. Like I don't know the right next step. I know, I get, I guarantee that I have too much going on in my head and I have not taken the time. I haven't gone through the exercise of writing it down. Mm. And the moment, the moment I write it down, and really empty out my brain and get down all those thoughts and, write down those questions and here's my my to-do list and here's all the things I'm thinking about. When I get that out of my head, it is instant clarification, instantly. I can look at that and say, you know, just simply by, again, by getting it out of my brain, that it just that through that exercise, I can see, okay, this is the immediate next step I must take here, or this is truly my highest priority, or this one is deadline related, you know, and it just visually seeing it and getting all that confusion out of your head and on paper, or by paper, I mean, you could be typing it out digitally, or actually writing it on a journal. But that process of it, it just clarifies everything.
0: Hmm. What about some of your your other systems, templates, batching, that sort of thing. What what have you found valuable and useful there for not only you, but your, your clients as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I believe you cannot over-systemize your life. <laughs> you just can't. And again, I think you know, especially for creatives, this is hard to grasp or embrace because we think, oh, that sounds so restricting and constraining. And it's not at all. It is freeing and liberating, right? So already we are in systems all the time in our life, like from the time we wake up to do you brush your teeth first or do you have your breakfast first do you make your coffee or do you have water right like the, we're always in routines and systems even whether we recognize them or not so if we can be more intentional again and the intentional deliberate systems will make them work more efficiently and effectively for us and for other people in our lives again giving us more time and space and freedom so yeah the ones that you mentioned i love i love creating templates i feel like i have a template for everything um so sometimes You're responding to questions over and over again, the same kind of question. They're not exactly the same, but if we started with a template, we can use that template and then customize it or personalize it. Same way if you're reaching out to other clients or customers or even family members, right? There's a, there's a certain template. There's something a starting in a beginning that you have that's used over and over so we can create those. There might be pro- templates for proposals. It might be for your lesson plan. So that's definitely one that works really well and can create a ton of efficiency. Batching. I know you, you're a big fan of that <laughs> as well. And that's you know, sitting and doing the same type of task mm. for a period of time. So maybe for you, it's doing the podcast interviews a bunch all in one day. I know in my business, I have coaching days set on, so excuse me, coaching sessions set on certain days. Mm-hmm. So all of my coaching on those days, and I have one day that's for writing, and that's where I'm doing my blogs and my newsletters and my Facebook posts. And I'm just writing that whole day. So batching to saves in a, a ton of time, keeps you very focused, and but most importantly it makes you feel so accomplished. And I I really believe that how you feel is going to drive your motivation and your inspiration for the next day and the day after that and the day after that. So we wanna drive, we wanna spend our time where it, it's making us feel really accomplished, and that's what I get when I know when I batch. Oh my! I was like, oh wow! I just got the entire you know all the writing done for the entire week on a Monday. It's the best feeling.
0: You know, I, I've applied batching to so many areas, and as I was reading your book, one area I've not applied batching to is is the area of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a it's a task for me that I dread, and I find myself writing when. The deadline is looming, and that's what motivates me to write. So I've I've struggled getting to the point where I can actually batch that and be thinking far enough ahead about all the things I need to be writing. But reading books like yours is helping me get better at that and making some strides, making some headway.
1: It's so funny because I'm very similar. It's one of those things, once I'm into it, I'm really into it, and I love writing, but I, it's very hard for me to get started, and I dread it. Mm. And so I made my writing days Mondays very specifically because okay. I'm like, if I can get this done the beginning of the week, Then it's done. Right. I don't have to think about it anymore. And I don't want to put those dreaded tasks on a Friday because that's just that's the worst. It's just when I have it done. So even when you're batching, when I'm always going through, my clients are like, let's strategically think about your energy, your procrastination level, you know, your desire to do this task. And let's strategically plan your days around that.
0: Well, I've got a a couple of questions I want to ask that aren't directly related to the book, but before we do that, is there anything else, Marie, through from the book you want to make sure that, that we know about or walk away with?
1: Yeah, one thing that comes to mind is as highly driven, as ambitious, as you know, really high performers who are listening to this and thinking about it. Maybe even like pick up the book. Our initial thought, I think, so often is, okay, I want to. I'm I'm excited about this. I'm motivated. I want to start doing all these things at the same time. I just got to create some templates here and do some batching and put on my, you know, clear my desk and you know, we're trying to do all of these different new skills, adopting them at one time because we're so excited to become more efficient and get more time and get more control, but I highly recommend to pick one, one skill that you want to develop, one that really hits home for you and you know it because you're like, that one really resonates with me right now. Like that's the one I know I should be doing, but I'm not and work on that one skill and that one strategy and work on it and fail at it and then try it again and work on it and get a little bit better, a little bit better till you feel like I'm kind of getting a mastery of this or it's starting to come to me a bit more naturally and then move on to the next because that is how we build habits. That's how we build our successes. Mm-hmm. And I think that excitement of wanting to do everything at one time often leads, a, leads to failure and feeling like this is hopeless. This will never work for me.
0: Well, uh, th- think for a moment, if you wouldn't read through about the, the books you've read uh, the last few years or over the course of your career, if you want to go back that far, what would you say are the two or three titles that, that immediately come to mind as having had the biggest impact on you? And if you can share why or how they, they impacted you as, as they did.
1: Absolutely. So one is, is a book that I ask every client to read. I'm sure many of your listeners have heard, but I feel like I can't get enough of it, which is (laughs) Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And that really helped me when I was thinking about my power hour and how am I going to start my day and how do I stay motivated? How do I feel accomplished? So that was probably one of the, and it's been years ago that I you know read that, but I still come back to it at least, I don't know, once a year, I just want to get a refresher on that and make sure that that's been really helpful for me. Another one that I love that's more recent that I know you've had this author on your podcast, James Clear, Atomic mm-hmm. Habits. I just love the way he laid he laid out this research and it was just so data driven and on how to create habits and some of the just the small nuances that you can do in your everyday life to create new habits. So again, that was just very informative and interesting and fun. And I've taken some of those learnings and really applied it to my coaching as well. And a last one I'd say is You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. She is, I just love her writing style. It was probably one of, and I read a lot of personal development books, Mm -hmm. but she was probably the first one that I thought wrote in such a different style that was so relational. Like I could, it was so relevant to everyday life. And so I just love the spin that she had in her book. So that was a really big one for me too.
0: I thought you did that really well too. It's just very conversational in your, in your writing and very funny at the same time. Very, very relatable.
1: Well, thank you. I think that's, and that's, I, I would say from, from that book, from your from Jen Zero's book was kind of, that was sort of a, uh, I don't know, uh, something that I really wanted to emulate. Like I was like, I love just her conversational style. Mm. And that's actually how I speak as well. I do a lot of training and speaking. And for me, it was just a reflection of the way I speak and train was, mm. you know, being very relevant and real life examples and kind of less theoretical, but just, you know, just giving people those real life strategies and skills that they can implement immediately.
0: Well, that leads right into my, my next question uh, about uh, public speaking in particular. Anything you would add to those things you just mentioned that are helpful for you in wanting to deliver a talk that's impactful and, and memorable? <sighs>
1: So I'd say one of my probably best openings when I speak (laughs) is I go through this series of distractions and I'm like, well, you know, so I was about to write this email and then I and then I scroll down and saw a Google thing and that took me over to you know, the Amazon and Amazon didn't want to hear. And I, and I go through this like five minute uh, monkey mind kind of example, <laughs> and everyone loves it. And it's probably the most talked about part, uh, you know, the people come up and talk to me and they said, from the moment you got up there, I could resonate. And I think that's, again, it's like really getting into the mind of your audience and, you know, it's something we all go through. And even the quote unquote productivity experts like myself, I mean, it is so hard to not have your mind just, running from thought to thought to thought to thought to thought. And to actually bring that to life, I think really is just, it resonates really well. So I'd say, again, you know, real life examples, but really getting into the minds of people and what they're going through has been very helpful for me.
0: There's a couple of times in the book, uh, I think, where you run through a list of of distractions. But I don't know, I I would have ever been able to to take a situation like that and actually put it in writing. That's a gift, I guess.
1: I guess you're, you're right. I guess I just, I guess I was. I was really just sitting there thinking, what is my typical, you know, how do I think? And it's like, oh, I'm looking at, I'll see something for peanuts. And all of a sudden I'm on Southwest because I'm like, oh, I got to book my airplane to get I saw peanuts. And then like from there, you're like, oh, wait, an airplane. Now then I think I have to go get a backpack because I, need a, I mean, you know, you just start thinking. And so I just thought through my own mind and how it works.
0: Well, what, what's ahead for you and your team, Rithu? What's, what's around the corner? What's up next that you're you're excited about?
1: I'm really excited because I just revamped my coaching program, which is called Life in Control. Mm. And it is a hybrid coaching program with online training, with masterminding, with lots of one-on-one support with me and other experts. And it's it's just a kind of a 2.0 of what I was currently mm. doing. And it's really an integration of our life and work. I mean, our home and life rather, sorry, home and work, because I believe that life is just integrated, right? There's no mm-hmm. more this, I work nine to five and then I come home, do the kit, you know, it's, it's all, all, it's all integrated. So how do we do a lot of the things we've been talking about today, create those systems and feel less overwhelmed and put up those boundaries and prioritize whether it's our home life, our family life, our work life, you know, and, and really look at it in a holistic perspective. So I'm super excited about that because um, i you know I've been seeing great results. And I just can't wait to even take it to another level.
0: That's awesome. Well, the book again is called Accomplish It, Seven Simple Actions to Get the Right Things Done and Achieve Your Goals. Marithu, thank you so much for being a part of the Read to podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to, to share your insights and, and your expertise.
1: Anytime. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff.
0: For more on Marithu, how to connect with her on social media, the books she recommended, and that one I mentioned at the front of the show, Michael Hyatt's Free to Focus, just visit the blog post dedicated to this episode. Read to lead slash 270 for episode 270. Don't forget a free book you can grab right now is the book called Published by Chandler Bolt. You get it free when you sign up for his free training that helps you go from blank page to published author in as little as as 90 days, readtoleadpodcast.com slash published to find out more about that and get signed up right now and have the book on its way to you right away. I certainly hope you're enjoying the Read to Lead podcast. If you have feedback, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to me directly, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. I'm gonna go out.